Hi, everyone. This is Melissa. And Kate. And Lainey. And we are the The Louisiana Louisiana Ladies. We are so glad you are here. Check us out on Instagram at Louisiana Ladies Podcast and visit us online at laladies.info. All right, guys. I was just making sure it was recording. I love it. It is. It's just me today, Melissa. And I say that like, you know, it's a bad thing. It's just me. But I'm sitting across from just a fabulous human being that I won't mess up your name. (laughs) Pete Bush. It's really hard to mess up that name. That's an easy name. Pete Bush with Horizon Financial Group here in Baton Rouge. Pete and I have known each other. Wow. How should we count here? Like I don't remember. I don't remember the years, first. Maybe? I don't remember the first time I met you, but I would bet that it was with David Winkler. If oh, I yeah. had to guess, for sure. And how long have you been here? Over fourteen years. Yeah, so that's right around. I said fifteen, but yeah, that's but, about right. But for two years, Pete. I mean, uh, David didn't talk to me. He didn't talk. To <laughs> <you>. <laughs> I used to joke that he didn't know who I was, and then all of a sudden one day he brings me in his office and he's like, "Hey, do you remember whenever I um." I interviewed you. I said that I needed you to sell 401k plans. And I was like, no. Say what? You know, he likes to make that stuff up. I need yeah. to, we should, we should totally talk about it in this episode. And I can and say, you're like, hey. so this was a sales job. So, I thought, yeah. yeah. And so then we went to New Orleans that day to pitch a plan. And nice. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. But Still you rode along and look at you now. I was terrified though to be yeah. in the car with David Winkler for an hour. Yeah. Well, I heard, uh, see, you're a living example of this quote that I just heard this morning. Okay, what is so it? So it's so timely. Okay. And it said, everything that you want is on the other side of fear. True. How good is that? That's good. And there you were, scared to death to go sell a retirement plan, and now look at you. Yeah. Well, I was scared of David and scared to sell a retirement plan. It was <laughs> yeah. a double whammy. But eventually, my fear of David Winkler wore off, and we ended up having a very candid uh awesome relationship and you know i got to i got to meet great people like the bush brothers thank you which before we talk about horizon let's talk about so by the time this episode drops listeners it will be a couple of weeks since our podcast party and uh i heard nothing but the fact that the bush brothers are hilarious from (laughs) my family right oh yeah yeah. my dad's like they're they're so funny rl rl he was great we just sat there and chatted up a little bit and met mom and then y'all great. did a hula hoop or something with well, my the hula sister. Hoop. Yeah, brought her in the hula hoop. So that's a, that's a, this is a secret. You're now inside the hula hoop. You got to leave it in here. So she was like, they did the family hula hoop. I'm yeah, like, yeah, just, no, I don't know. They kind of lock arms around each other's back and inside that circle there, that's the circle of trust, right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was it was just perfect. It was perfect. So that's great. Okay, so let's talk, what. Where are you from, Pete? Well, I was born in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, they say Louisville up there, but for some reason, Louisville stuck with me. And Louisville. Like my brother. How do they say it up there? Louisville. It's almost Why? like they leave, they leave out the I. It's it's weird, but okay. anyway, let's just say what people down here would say, Louisville. Louisville. Okay. Right? And uh, lived there. Uh, my whole family was born there. My mom and dad and my five siblings, all born in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> and then we moved across the river uh, to Indiana, southern Indiana, a little farm town called Elizabeth, Indiana. Okay. And that chapter lasted about eight years. And then we moved to Louisiana in 1979. So, you know, five years for me in Louisville. Uh, eight years on a farm in Indiana and then down here to Baton Rouge and that's where I've been since. So what brought the family down here? Because your dad, is your dad? No. Yeah. Is your dad still in Kentucky? Still, he's he's actually right across the bridge. Okay. He doesn't like this for some reason, but I tell Sorry, him Dad. This, yeah, I tell him this is the, you know, he lives in the Port Allen of Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, okay. Because he's literally right across the river. Okay. Uh, and down the street a little bit. It's called Jeffersonville, Indiana. Okay. He's still there. He actually, we were just texting about uh, him today because he was born, he's a leap year baby. And so he's he, like born on the 29th. He was born on the 29th. And That's so crazy. he's always joked about his 21st birthday. Well, this year he'll be 84. It'll be his 21st birthday. Oh. So it's coming up in 2024. He's Wait, born in 1940. When you're born on a leap year day, when do you celebrate your birthday? Is well, there a right or wrong way to do it? I don't think there's a right or way wrong. I, do, mean, I think he, he goes like to the 28th. He, you know, he'll okay. do the 28th. Does he feel like he's like, like, like Every he never four has years, a, he has an actual birthday, and he then has an the, actual the, birthday. That's 
That's so sad. Yeah. So, no, he he's made it his thing. You know, it's okay. like his own little shtick that he well, talks yeah, about. Well, yeah, it is unique to be born on that and day. And he's met a few other people that were born on the 29th. And, and so, anyway, he's having his big 21st. What's that? They should have a club of yeah, here, baby. I'm sure they do. They have to. They got a club for everything. There, I'm sure there's a Facebook page. <laughs> I'm sure there is. Now he would not probably be. Well, he does do Facebook a little so bit. He's so he's gonna have a big party for his 21st birthday. Yeah, he's now. He's always talked about being, uh, being able to legally drink. Oh, that yes. was always. So his he's joke. been doing it illegally for a illegally, long time. Illegally, but now he'll be illegally. So, so we were all the siblings were texting about like, hey, are you going? When are you going? What day? Da da da. So we're figuring all that out right now. But yeah, mm-hmm. so. So he's still there. Mom has been down here. Uh, we moved down here. They they were married here for about, uh, I guess, about eight years before they split up. And he moved back. She stayed here. So we have mom still kicking. She was out at my house for the LSU game this weekend. And although that didn't go well, yeah. she she partied like it went well. So I, I don't feel like I've ever met mom. Oh, gosh. Well, I've met Polly. Yeah. Polly was there. Po- Polly. Polly's the sister. Yep. Polly. So we have... Joe, the uh, Indian Germany. He's in Germany. Did I make that up? Look, no, okay, no, no. I Look, you're paying attention. It. Yeah. So Joe. So our joke there with Joe is like, um, you know, I'm not a rocket scientist, but my brother is. Yeah. Because he literally graduated from MIT in aerospace engineering. Okay. And went into the space world. He still is in the space world over, but over in Europe. Uh, brother Bill, you know very well. Then Pete is third. That'd be me. Okay. Then Polly, yeah. who you met. Then Tom. Most people don't know Tom either. I, I didn't, to, there's is a Tom guy, made up? There's a guy named Tom. Okay. No, no, it's our, it's the fifth bush. And then Andy. Okay, I knew Andy was the baby. Yeah, so there's one between him and Polly, and that's Tom, Uncle Tom. So is he, Tom in Baton Rouge? He is. He is. He just lay, he's under the radar. Oh. He works out at BASF. His kids have been in soccer and uh, different things. And so, you know, he doesn't run in the same circles. You know, some high school people... Obviously, we all went to high school together, so they all know him. But, you know, when you get into the our professional lives, yeah, a lot no. of people haven't met Tom. Nope, have not met Tom. Yep, great guy, good family dude. He's been married to the same gal for a long time. They were high school sweethearts. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Tom and Tom and Polly. And so everybody but Joe lives around here. Okay, yeah. okay. I knew Joe didn't. I couldn't remember if Polly lived around here. Yeah. Okay, so y'all moved here. You said 1979. 1979. So why why we moved? So if you can think about what was going on in the world at that time, very high inflation. I I wasn't. I I know you weren't there yet. I was. (laughs) I just wanted wanted to point that out in case you were confused about how old I I, was. I know. Maybe you've seen a movie or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick probably has. (laughs) He probably has. You heard about it, but um, what was going on in the country at that time? That was Jimmy Carter years, high inflation. You know, gas prices. Da da da. The Mm -hmm. 70s were really. Uh, that was the end of the seventies, but anyway, farming was bad. Crop prices were down livestock. We lived on a farm, so we had corn and tobacco and, and cucumbers and we grew a bunch of stuff. And then we had pigs and cows and stuff like that. You wouldn't think the Bush boys were, you know, um, were farmers, Farmers. but we, we were, you know, I was driving a tractor when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, plowing fields and doing all that stuff just because, you know, child labor laws did not apply on the farm. Right. Yes, right. Um, but anyway, that was all a lot of pressure on the success of that farming. And so, you know, I think there was some stress with that. I don't know all the details, but I think there's some financial stress with that. Uh, we came down on a, to my, we have some cousins, an uncle and aunt and some cousins um, that live in Alexandria. And they, we came down to see them the summer of 79. So like say June, July, well in September we moved. So my dad, we didn't know this at the time, but he went down to Baton Rouge, uh, applied for a job at Kaiser aluminum out there on the old, by the old bridge on the river and, uh, got the job. He, you know, decides he's going to take this job and moving the family, selling the farm. So we did that. And, and the rest is history as they say. Okay. So he was making his living as a farmer. Well, no, he was. Or y'all just lived on a farm and grew your own stuff. Let's say he was trying to supplement income to, you know, mom was a teacher. She worked two jobs. She would work odds and ends jobs. Dad was, you know, worked at a plant in Louisville. And and he had had other jobs before that. But this particular time he was working for DuPont or somebody Mm -hmm. like that. And farming was just like extra money. 
You know, he was he was doing that to try to make it. It's they had six kids in six right. years. Six, oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One after the other. So, um, anyway, that I think that was what that was about. But again, it uh, it didn't go well. We let's say we weren't good at farming. Okay. You know, we just had a farm, and it was forty acres. I mean, it so wasn't just like because this. you have a farm doesn't mean you're a farmer, right? It, okay. it it didn't it didn't. I mean. These days, that doesn't exist. Like, oh. you know, you're either a mega farmer okay. or whatever, but, but we had, like, little patches of tobacco and, and things. I mean, it, it wouldn't add up to anything these days just because it's so corporate, you know. Now. Okay. But um, So move down here. Move down here right away. Went to Sherwood. Uh, it was Sherwood Middle School at mm-hmm. the time, Sherwood Junior High, and um, then to Bel Air High School. Uh, Joe went to Baton Rouge High. He went to one semester at Bel Air and then – Got accepted into uh, well, Baton Rouge High. Yeah, that's why he's an aerospace person. Yeah. He well, and Baton Rouge High is where the smart kids go. Well, and it was kind of interesting because, and and I'm not going to say this like patting myself on the back. I'm just going to say this because this is what was going on at the time. Is is we came from an Indiana school system, okay. which was ranked number five in the country. Oh. You know how they rank school systems. Of course, Louisiana and Mississippi were duking it out for 49th and 50th. Right. Okay, so we go from five to 49th i think at the time right and um and of course joe goes to that first semester at bel-air and he's just like yes the stuff that we were doing yeah (laughs) you know like layup and and then for for all of us really i mean the school was so much easier here like i never i never made straight a's in indiana so i would always make like let's say you had seven grades and i would make four b's and you know and three a's Mm -hmm. right I got down here to, to Louisiana. I never made a anything but an A until I got to college. Oh wow! Right, and it was it was just a lot easier. I don't know why, but you know, I mean, I didn't pay much attention to it then, other than just like okay, same school, yeah, yeah, they, okay. So, so they, everybody, Bill was valedictorian of his class. I finished third in my class. Polly was like fourth or fifth. Tom was like second. Andy was like fourth fifth sixth i don't know everybody finished in the top 10 10 in their class interesting huh interesting i feel like that's like a not a test but like some <laughs> statistic yeah so of. yeah so everybody that knows the bush family from bel-air you know they knew we were all pretty good at school is bel-air still around bel-air is still around it's a different school now oh, you know okay. i mean it it um let's see it was like a neighborhood school okay when we moved there, we went to Sherwood and then to Bel Air for ninth ninth grade on, and um, and we literally lived across the street from the high school. We'd walk, I'd walk to school in the morning, uh-huh. and it was a neighborhood school. And then they they had the desegregation busing um, people from like the Glen Oaks and Park Forest and all those areas. They they ended up going to different schools, and so like a bunch of our friends, ninth tenth grade, got bussed uh, to different schools. And then Bel Air just wasn't ever the same school after that, hmm. but it was a it was a great school. Um, you know, it started in seventy four or five somewhere around there, and then you know by the mid eighties, all that stuff had happened. And it started to go down. I graduated in eighty five. Okay. And after that, it just kind of, you know, I don't know, it just kind of hung in there for a little while. And it's not a neighborhood school anymore. They bust into that. Okay, school. but it's not called Bel Air. It is called Bel Air. They haven't had a, but they they haven't had a baseball team since I mean nineteen. Their enrollments or like two thousand. This, this like podcast is not about Bel Air. I'm just no, curious. but I mean, I'm born and raised here, so nobody. Uh, it's not on anybody's radar anymore. The uh, pri- everybody after busing, everybody went off to private schools. You start to see like in my senior year or my uh, I guess my senior year of high school or maybe my freshman year of college, like Parkview Baptist popped up, and then you saw like Chapel Chapel Trafton, yeah. which is now Dunham. They would all pop up like in those mid '80s, and people started flooding out to that. And then the public schools, you know, obviously struggled. They struggled, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then you went to LSU. I did. Where you played baseball? I did play baseball the whole time you were there. I did. I played for four years. Okay. Um, what What was your position? I feel like I should know this, <laughs> but I don't. What was your I, position? I played first base. Okay. I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I'm right-handed at just about everything, except I played sports left-handed. Oh. So I'm, I was a left-handed first baseman. Um, is that an advantage? Uh, it is an advantage. Oh, okay. It's it's the it's the one position on the field where it actually is an advantage to be left-handed. So, so like, pitchers could be left or right. Outfielders could be left or right. 
all of the infielders pretty much have to be right-handed the way the diamond is set up for yeah. them to make throws. But at first base, it's actually an advantage to to be left-handed for a couple reasons. Like you don't have to – there's a play where you're holding a runner on and you shuffle off and let's say a, a ball's hit to you and there's a man on third. You don't have to turn your back to that guy to throw to second. You can face that guy. Yeah. All right. And then the glove. So, like, if you throw left, your glove is on your right hand. Right. So, when the when the pitcher's trying to pick off, your glove is, like, right there. It's so much easier to snap down, whereas a right-hander has to reach across his body. Okay. So, there's a couple of things like that that make it an advantage to be left-handed at first base. Okay. But really, you know, if you can hit, they'll put you at first base no matter what hand you have. Why? Right. Just because they need hitters in the lineup. Oh. Yeah. If you can hit, you can play. Oh. So they stick a lot of guys that, like, aren't really they, – they may not be the best, like, fastest or whatever, which I was not, uh, or have the best arm. But if they can hit, a lot of times those guys go to first base. Okay, so stupid question. If you were in the lineup to hit, that means you have to play on the field. Well, no, they have a designated hitter. Oh, okay. Yeah, so especially in uh, pro ball, they'll have a designated hitter where – uh, the pitchers usually don't hit for themselves. Okay. They do that in college. Like you never saw Paul Skeens get up and hit this year. He can't actually – that guy actually can hit. But like Ty Floyd and all these pitchers this year for LSU, they would always have a designated hitter in there. It was usually Cade Beloso. Oh, yeah. And he had a bunch of homers. Well, he didn't play in the field that much. I mean, he here and there he would, but his main role on that team was designated hitter. Oh. Right? So they, they – they use the skills of that guy, you know, the pitchers to re- really be great pitchers. That's I think that's why Skeens got so much better. He didn't have to worry about hitting. Yeah. He showed up and he was just a pitcher every yeah. day. And he got a lot better. So, okay, so you played for four years. And did we win a national championship at that time? We did not. Uh, well, however. Pete, what's wrong with you? Well, the school had never been to the College World Series. Oh. Ever. Wow. In the history of the school, all right. Or okay. The, the World Series started, I think, in the '40s, somewhere okay. around there. George Bush, the president, the older elder George Bush, played for Yale in the College World Series. I found that out. Mm. Fun fact of your day. Um, back in the day, but then Skip Bertman came to LSU in the fall of 1983. Was hired as the coach. His first season was '84. Kind of a scrappy season. Second season, he was a little better. '85, '86 was my freshman year. We went to the World Series for the first time in oh, school okay. history. Then we went back in 87. 88, we had a kind of a weird year. We lost a bunch of one-run games. But then we went back in 89. We got better every year, like we placed higher, higher every year. And then the year after I graduated, they went again. And then the year after that, they won the first they one. They won. So okay. it was sort of like bricklaying going on yeah. with my team. As a matter of fact, we, we call ourselves the bricklayers. Oh, okay. You are the reason so, why we have <laughs> ever won a national championship? Yeah. we You, you kind of have to go there, get beat up a little bit. And then, and then the teams that came after us, so the people that won the championship – which would have been like Rick Green. Well, he was a he was a, a freshman on the team, but say like Chad Oje, Paul Bird, Gary Email. Those were guys that were younger on my teams. So by the time they got to be juniors or seniors, they just expected to go to Omaha and they expected to win. Mm. And the program does that now. But like in the early days, when you're brick lane, it's kind of like, are we going to get there? Are we good enough? Yeah. You know. So yeah, we forged a path. Uh, I'm proud of being part of that tradition you know i was actually just at skip's house uh, this morning i go see him pretty regularly he lives in the same neighborhood yeah you and skip have maintained that relationship yes. for a long time he's a mentor to you do you very like? much so yeah very yeah. much so and he's he's um you know he's just so always so nice and complimentary about you know me and what i've done with what i've had to work with right and it's like you know you've worked hard you've you know caught some lucky breaks but you also just you know you kept you kept pushing, kept growing, and kept trying to get better every day, which was what he's all about. Did you go play baseball in the pros? I did not. Okay, so you graduated from LSU, and that was sayonara to your baseball career. Yeah, well, not right away because I did try to go to tryouts. Oh, and that scary. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you realize because you it's know like, you, it's like a different. It's a different world. You play at LSU and you play against big leaguers. You yeah. know, there's plenty of guys I could reel off that that left LSU and within a couple of years they were playing the major leagues, and even teammates of mine. So you, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I've been playing with these guys. I can play with these guys. Um, but you know, I was kind of at the peak of my ability by the time I was a senior 
in college and what they're looking for in pro balls, guys that are still improving and, you know, they're not going to get as good as they're going to get until they're 25, 26. Uh, okay. And on. But I, I was already – I had gotten a lot out of my ability and, you know, I was happy with that. I, you know, wanted to go on and play. But I, the truth of it is you have to look at yourself in the mirror at some point and go, okay, I'm not good enough at that. That was a, that was a chapter. I got to close that chapter and write another chapter, which okay. is what I did. Well, so what was the next chapter? So while I was at LSU, there was a guy that was a financial guy here in town that uh, approached me and said, hey, when you get done playing baseball, you know, come see me. I go, I think you could be good at, you know, at this business. And, and you know, he was an investment guy. Well, I, of course, I've just told you how we grew up. I My parents had no savings, yeah. no investments. I didn't know what that really meant other than I'd heard about this thing called the stock market and yeah. all these things, right? And I'm so probably because of the scarcity of money, I was interested in that. Yeah. You know, like, well, what's that about? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm smart. I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I did have a couple guys that were teammates of mine the year before that went on into this business. And I just remember saying to myself, I was like, well, if those idiots could do it, <laughs> you know, like if that guy could do it, surely I could yeah. do it. You know, but I didn't know what that really was until I got in, um, started in the business went past all my tests and you know it's really hard at the beginning especially being young to get people to trust you oh absolutely but because I could you look like a kid yeah and I was I was young and I didn't know anything but I didn't want to tell myself that at that point what I was basically saying to myself was you know like I just have to stick it out you know like everybody that I've talked to about it early on basically says it's really hard at the beginning but if you can hang in there for two or three years it gets easier mm-hmm. and and of course it did uh, and every time I did want to quit, I thought about the clients I was taking care of. Cause I, I, I would pick up a few people here and there and early on, it's like people, you know, like family members yeah. or somebody related to somebody. And I remember thinking, God, this is, I, I just need to go find something else to do. Maybe I can go work in the front office in baseball. Maybe I can be a baseball executive, work for a big league team. So what, why, why were you having these thoughts? It, was it because you weren't busy enough or you weren't bringing it? I'm just asking, weren't bringing in the income that you wanted to bring yeah. in? Yeah. yeah. It's, you get, you just, you we get, get real on the Louisiana ladies. You, you just get rejected a lot. Oh, you get a lot of no's. Like people aren't going to work for you. You okay, get a lot gotcha. of no's. So you, feel, you I mean, feel, your confidence might have been crushed. Yeah, it's, it's. You, Which, you by take, the way, I did not say this. Obviously, Pete is a Louisiana lad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that's only 20 minutes into 20 the episode. Minutes, yeah. This is the second one I've recorded today. Okay, they all blur yeah. together. All right. Yeah, they figured it out. Early. Yeah, I think I think everybody <laughs> could probably figure out that Pete Bush, Louisiana lad. Okay, go ahead. The, um, but yeah, a lot of rejection, a lot of, uh, you know, self-doubts, uh, self-esteem. Like, you feel like you're getting rejected. People are actually just rejecting your idea or what it is that you're proposing or whatever. They're not rejecting you as a person necessarily. And it takes a little while to, to build confidence. And at some point, you know, I got addicted to the little dopamine hit that mm-hmm. I would get when people would thank me for, you know, helping them and, and showing appreciation and respect and all that stuff. And that, I got addicted to that. And I thought every time I wanted to quit, I thought like, who's going to take care of this lady or that guy or whatever like this i don't want to leave them out there to the wolves so i just kind of dug my heels in and stuck it out and kept working but yeah it was hard okay and it's 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 still hard today i mean there's nothing easy about building a following no matter what you're doing no it's not even though me and you were pretty awesome and be easy (laughs) it should have been easier okay so you did that but at some point, you made a decision to either leave that firm or break away or whatever it may be, and that is when Horizon. Yeah. What was it just called? I say just, but it, yeah. it was just Horizon at first, or well, Horizon Wealth Management. Yeah, right out of the gate. So there was a. <clears throat> and where did the name come from? A, well, you have to tell us all yes, the deets. A group of guys left bef- uh, about a year before we did. Okay. So that. That thing that I joined was starting to unravel. Okay. Right. And a group left about, say, four or five guys left a year before. We're sitting here going, okay, you know, what's our next move? We started thinking about it months in advance. And then finally, three of us pulled the trigger and decided to break off, start our own thing, um, you know, do things our way, you know. And I think part of that was I had been in the business eight years already. So let's say I was early thirties, I would have been like 32, maybe somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and initially we named ourselves Saxon Bush Davis, right? That was after our, after our names of myself, Brody Saxon, Randy Davis. 
And uh, it was Saxon Bush Davis Financial Group, very original. Mm-hmm. Um, but we changed. And also not in alphabetical order. <laughs> no. Just to point that out. No. No, we, somebody used to say, well, why isn't your name first? And I was like, I'm safely hiding out in the middle yeah. right there. You know, yeah. I'm leading from within. Um, but basically what ended up happening is we had other guys wanting to join our group and we were trying to recruit other guys to join our group. Well, with every person that joined after a couple of them, they started getting asked, well, why, why isn't why is your name right? in yeah. there? And why, when are they going to be blah, 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 blah. Well, we figured out that's not going to happen. Otherwise, we'll have a name like this long or we'll be I, like. I get asked that about Falk and Winkler. Yeah. I do. And yeah. I'm like. Who's well, Falk? Who's Winkler? Yeah. And why isn't why, it Torito? Why isn't Torito? Yeah. My mother-in-law was like, um, when you made partner, I thought they were going to put Torito. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's going to be the longest CPA name ever. <laughs> exactly. You know? so that'd, be a, that'd be a long meeting too. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. So go ahead. So we had in our logo, we had these geese. Right. And the, and the geese were like flying over the horizon. There's a long story to that. But anyway, we sat down and I was like, okay, well, let's come up with a generic name that we don't ever have to change, but that keeps our same feel look thing that we had going on. And at the time it was these, it was these geese that we had in our logo. So we're like, Hey, like geese flying over the horizon. And then it was like, Oh, horizon. I mean, it kind of popped pretty quick. Yeah. Right. And we looked around like, is there a Horizon Financial Group in Baton Rouge or Horizon Wealth Management or Horizon anything? And there really wasn't. And so we just went with that. You know, I don't know that it was ultra creative. It was just sort of a loosely based on us wanting to drop the lawyer type name and then go into something generic that we could build on. Yeah. And and we've done a I think we've done a fair job of branding around that and mm-hmm. becoming known as Horizon and what we do. Yes. I think you have too. So yeah. that was can you date me back to when that yeah. happened? Well, so that would be about 2004 that we switched to horizon okay so 99 to 2004 we would have been saxon bush davis okay so y'all did that the attorney name thing Mm -hmm. no offense to attorneys out there or cpas um for five years then we basically did a rebrand did a rebrand and then it's been horizon ever since yep changed logos a few times we look back uh looking at our old logos is like looking at your old hairstyles kind of it's like wow i thought that was cool at the time but i've changed my logo as well (laughs) i've changed my logo because i was like "Mm, i don't know why we have this triangle here sorry david but i was involved in that too in the triangle yeah with the triangle that's my fault so (laughs) that also is probably my fault no but the triangle looked good at the time it did but it was time to change it. Yeah, you don't, I mean, styles, fashions, fonts, uh, website, you know, low layouts, they all get, they all get outdated at some point. Well, and know? then we had come up with, okay, so that actually, you know what? The name, Creating Sentinel Pension. Okay, so let me, I don't know if I've ever actually told the listeners this, so I will tell them this, okay? A little, yeah. little self-promotion here. So Falk and Winkler operated the, the third party administration practice operated as Falk and Winkler. Yes. Like there was no other name. It was no. just Falk and Winkler offered these services. Right. And I don't remember who, the, whose idea was it? Was it yours or David's to brand it into a, to brand the TPA services into a different name? Well, so what we were trying to do is come up with a common name that we could both be in together. Right. Right. With, so what was happening is we were going out together to meetings. Yes. Right. And we would march in there and he did the TPA services and then we did the investment services and then you would have a, a platform. Yep. So it was like, well, we're Falcon Winkler and we're Horizon and this is Nationwide or American Fund or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be on the platform. And it, and it was confusing. People still get confused. Yeah, and it's still confusing because there's, there's a lot of names that come to bear. And so Sentinel was actually David and I collaborating and going, okay, well, what if we went out together as one right and you still have the cpa practice we still have horizon over here doing you know wealth management services and all that but let's say that in our retirement plan services thing we just call that something common and we'll come up with it together so that's what we did we i could probably find the old emails we flipped back and forth and back and forth and then we came up with the name and it was sort of all the while i think david had a plan for me he just never told me (laughs) He, he may have 
And then, oh, he totally had a plan. Yeah. I was part of this plan. I just didn't know I was part of know. this plan. He was scheming. Or he was time. hoping I was going to be part of the plan. Let me. I don't want to act like I walked in here and I just could run the show from yeah. day one. But it, it really, it really was coming from a good place of collaboration because we were having success together. Uh, we, we. I mean, it was it, it in its infancy compared to what it is today. Mm-hmm. Your your business and our business on that side, but. To David and I's point, neither one of us were focusing on it full time. It was just something we were interested in. We liked going out and doing it together. We liked each other, trusted each other. And so we collaborated on this name. And then I think we just went out to a third party, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, crowdsourcing type thing and had them uh, pitch us some different logos. Yeah, for $100. David it, told me that. He was it, like, I only spent $100 on this logo, Melissa. Yeah. Well, that was the, that was the early days of uh, crowdsourcing. Is like all these freelance That's people. They did. would yeah. they would just yeah. they, hey look, I'll take your hundred bucks and they'd ship you out some. And we got like forty different things to choose from, and that's the one we picked, the yeah. triangle. Yeah. So that's how that went down. It's been through a couple of iterations though, because it had Sentinel pension and payroll and payroll for a long time. I remember that. And so the challenge that I ran into there is that if somebody would see our logo somewhere and they didn't really know what we did, they always almost always wanted to talk about payroll services mm. and we were not really we provided payroll services but we weren't really a payroll service yeah, and look thing. i'm very honest with people about this i'm like we didn't we didn't have the capacity to provide that we could do it yeah. but just because you can't do it doesn't mean you should do it it was not lucrative for us and so then at some point after david retired i dropped the payroll mm. I just, just dropped it. I just dropped it. Just snipped it off. I was just like, we don't need to do that. And we don't actually provide payroll services at all anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, so did that. And then under like kind of our tagline under the logo had a division of Falk and Winkler. Because when we first set up Sentinel and I guess after you and David, you know, figured everything out, David didn't want to put anything about Falk and Winkler. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I was like, nobody knows who we are. We're a bunch of CPAs creating. Like, nobody knows who we are. Like, they're not going to call the office and somebody's going to say, send all pension and payroll. They're going to be like, oh, my God, I called the wrong number. You yeah. know? We, we didn't do a great job of marketing it. But so we had that for a long time. And then just recently I changed it to Sentinel Pension TPAs dash retirement plan consultants. Oh, I love that. Love that. Only to, That's and, and we changed our domain. Oh, did you? Oh, Melissa went. I went all in. Instead of choose Sentinel? Instead of choose Sentinel, now it's sp-tpa.com. Okay. Got it. Like fw-cpa.com. Again, I told my team, I said, do not ask me why it took me 10 years to figure this out, guys. (laughs) It literally came to me while I was having lunch with somebody on our team that's in the tax department. I was like, I think we need to change that. It was funny because... I think you can relate to that, though, Pete. I can relate to that. Because you're pretty visionary, and we get random thoughts at random times, and then we're like... This is what we're doing. I don't know. And like, by the way, I didn't know how complicated it was to change a donate domain name. Oh yeah, to point yeah. You got to point it all point different it directions, all. Yep. and then some things get bounced back. I'm still having issues. Like the Choose Sentinel still wants to like log in on my computer, and I'm like, okay, sorry guys, but it'll be good for the long run. <laughs> right about the time you're out. Yeah, you're right about the time I retire. Yeah, perfect. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, love people it. really don't think I'm gonna retire in five years. So I'm like, I am. But it's great that it that it hung around and it worked out because the the experiment that David and I had about going out together and under Sentinel and all that it never really it never really gelled Did it? and and uh, well as a as a as a collaborative the coming up with the name and strategy and all that worked but out in practice it just yeah. it never took you know so when he when we were he he asked i guess this is about the time you you were pulled into the plan i think that's i think i remember a meeting where I and he's like can i keep sentinel i was like yeah man yeah i don't we don't need it i mean yeah rock and roll well like i think we went to your office to talk about how we would like continue to like promote sentinel and then we left and i was like okay so i get the feeling we're just gonna use sentinel and he goes that's exactly what i was getting at i'm like (laughs) okay yeah yeah, look and then look out. It's all worked out. It's all worked out. We still work together. We still work together more. We work together more. We do work together more. Yeah. So I, um, <laughs> listeners may or may not know this, but you know, I like I feel like Horizon is also my office. Like I'm very comfortable when I go there. In yes. fact, if I'm in between meetings and I'm on that side of town, I'll just be like, "Hey, y'all have a conference room? Or I'll just sit in y'all's yeah. lobby and like work a little bit." Well, you yeah. know? And look, we'll have even more room in about a month in our new office because we're relocating in in November. Uh, so yeah, there'll be, there'll be some empty spaces. You can just, di- just duck in there and, you know, to your heart's desire. I feel desire. like y'all like having me around. Well, you, you're, I mean, you I'm are. A you're, you, I'm a good time. I'm a good time. You're a lot of fun. 
<laughs> no, look, you threw a great party the other night, and that's no surprise to anyone. That party really is fun. That party was fun. But, I mean, y'all also make it fun. But it was a good group. Yeah, it was a good it group. It was a good group. It was fun. Okay, so if I'm doing the math correctly, next year would be the 20-year anniversary of Horizon. Is that how you are calculating that? If you said it was 2004, do we not celebrate yeah, that? Yeah, so it's kind of weird. The name Horizon, of course, is, yeah. is going to be 20 years old. But, I mean, we go back to 99 as, the, as our roots. And then I go back even further than that when somebody says, hey, how long you you know had Horizon? I mean, because under that other structure, even though I was a, I was a 1099, I wasn't an employee. I was had built my own book from from the beginning. Um, that goes back to ninety one. Oh, okay. so you know, I I just Pete's older than I just yeah, just want to put slightly that out. slightly. I just made thirty two years as advisor uh, last month. So okay. you know, I, I go back to that date for that, and then Horizon. I always say was uh, October first of ninety nine. Okay, so we will make twenty five years um next year next year okay next october you just made 23 years no 24 good lord melissa yeah yeah, 24 years was yesterday yes it would have been yeah october 1st popped up on my computer okay so what is your role at horizon now well now yeah because it's evolved yeah i Um, mean i feel like it's not that i mean you were probably I don't want to say like in the trenches, but I feel like you had to build something and work hard and you still work hard, but I do not think you were doing today what you did to build that business, like the same sort of activities. No, no, it's, uh, it's way different. It's, you know, I still am involved in client work probably 20% of the time. Okay. Uh, so, I, you know, some of our longest, you know, biggest relationships, um, I still am in there as a relationship person and they still lean on me for advice. And of course, Clint sits co-pilot, you know, Clint Gotari mm-hmm. sits co-pilot with me on all the uh, relationships that I have. So I don't, I don't, we do teamwork pretty well there. And I, I don't like to go into any meeting uh, solo anymore because I know that Clint is so up on, you know, the technical and the analytical and the market and what's going on there that I always need that voice there at the table. Um, the other 80% of my time I really spend in what I call at this point, CEO mode or visionary mode. Mm -hmm. And that is really thinking, um, of the future of horizon, trying to attract opportunities, uh, to help horizon grow. So we do individual wealth management. We have the retirement plan business, and then we have this advisor network and, and that network now has 65 advisors. So I, I call all of that horizon. Uh, and then I, I, usually like do this little circle around my fingers and say like that's that's the ceo part of the job is uh looking for future team members looking for future advisors for the network stumbling upon retirement plan opportunities to bring andy and you and others into to say you know uh let's let's pull that team in to see if that we can help you there and then on wealth management i still get a lot of referrals i still am out and about in the community and things like that so what what I am now is like I'm, I've kind of turned around to the team and said, manage me for what you need from me. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a little bit what the role is today. I think it will evolve even further. But uh, at this point, it's it's more leadership, vision, um, you know, relationship creation, uh, those types of things. I feel like I'm a I'm a good connector. And mm-hmm. so I, I try to continue to connect to people and people I connect to people because I like to connect to people. Right. I don't necessarily have a, a reason in mind for connecting with them. So like when I go to a function, like I did the other night with you, there were just plenty of awesome people in that room. And I just like to connect with them, whether that means I'll ever see them again or whether they'll work on our team three years from now. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and you're also easy to connect with. Oh, well, thank you. Well, you're yeah. easy to talk to. Yeah, I I enjoy people. Yeah. Like, I, I am fascinated by the just all the different ways that people do what they do, how they've come into what they're doing. I mean, you get to sit across from a lot of people like this and ask questions. I'm, I'm fascinated. There's so many different ways to be successful in the world that nobody's really got it figured out. You just got it. You get it figured out for yourself. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's got to be that's got to be good enough. That's your thing. Well, and I also think that, you know, I would say the majority of the guests that we have on, they are truly whether they are an executive director of a nonprofit, whether they've started a business from the ground up, whether they have taken over a business, 
any any of those, they're passionate about what they do. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious when you talk to them that they're passionate about what they do. And I always kind of feel bad, for lack of better words, for people that haven't found their passion. Mm-hmm. Because I was there. So I'm going to say this, and I've said this maybe not to this extent. I was not overly passionate about teaching. Mm -hmm. And I knew that deep down. I was like, I'm going to be that teacher that no one's going to like because I'm not passionate. Like, it's going to be very obvious. And so I was fortunate because I do not think I would be successful in our tax department, quite Mm. frankly. (laughs) Maybe not. I'm pretty sure I would not be. Or audit. Audit is way. Like, we do do details. Audit's real details. Audit's like digging through stuff. And so... I always tell people, because I do get asked since I had a career change, like a a true career change. definitely. And I think if people meet me now and I talk about it, okay, I might sound like it was easy and I wasn't scared. I was scared to death. (laughs) Like, I didn't just like skip out of St. Joseph's like, ooh, let me go take a couple of accounting classes. I mean, I knew in the back of my mind I could go back to teaching because I had that certification. But it's just... You know, you're passionate about what you do. I'm yep. passionate about what I do. Most entrepreneurs are probably pretty passionate. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that I find that I am passionate about, and and I've sort of dubbed this the uh, confidence connector is what I've named, yeah. named my, call it my superpower, if you want to call it mm-hmm. that, is I have always enjoyed helping people become more confident. So you can go back to when I was younger and I was doing hitting lessons. You know, when I was at LSU, people would bring their kids and I would do hitting lessons and I would always light up when they would figure it out. You know, they would do some little tweak in their swing that I would show them and then boom, they'd start hitting the ball and like you could see them light up. Right. And I I think that's the thing about helping people in this business is like it doesn't matter if it's an advisor or if it's a retirement plan, or if it's a wealth management, or if it's an internal teammate, you know, that that has joined our team that, you know, through something that I have been able to teach them, coach them, lead them, or just by example, or whatever, like they start to become more confident in themselves, and I can watch it happen. That's a really cool thing. Yeah. The other thing, so maybe this is, maybe I have a little bit of that trait, but I always remember like David Winkler was so proud of me by the time he retired. Okay. Which I'm just going to put it out there. That man was tough to work for. Okay. <laughs> he had high expectations. He held me to a high standard. I always kind of held myself to a high standard, but yeah, I mean, he's like, there's a lot of people that are, that are here that were like, yeah, it was, he scared me till the yeah. end of time. Right. And I always kind of wondered like, what, like what I feel that way about someone, you know what I mean? Cause he was mm-hmm. so proud of what I've done. Yep. And um, I've said this before on the podcast, and he hates it when I call him out. But I feel that way about Casey Malonson, who's now a director yeah. in our division. Yeah. Just to see that growth of someone and see – and it's really the confidence. because confidence. Look, probably when an advisor starts with you, it's like – they're like, yeah. you want me to go talk to this well, 55-year-old Afraid man? of making a mistake yeah. or this or that. Yeah. No, so the it, confidence it really is like a superpower. It is, it is this – foundational undergirding of all the other uh, powers that you might have, right? Because if you don't think of like the lack of confidence, well, you hold back, you don't take that step forward, you don't risk it, you don't do it. That's a lack of confidence. But you if you do have confidence, you you're a little more bold, Mm. you know, you're a little more willing to put yourself out there. And and not not necessarily worry about the outcome. Exactly. Because you're, you don't worry. I don't feel like I worry that much. Yeah. You about just, certain things. Well, you're a very confident person. I know. Right. And, and that's, again, that's one of your character sometimes, traits. Sometimes I'm too confident where <laughs> I say things and my team looks at me and they're like, I, is yeah. that right? I'm like, I don't know. It sounded right. And they're like, yeah. it did, but I don't think it's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. No, it, it's true. I mean, you know, you, I think confidence attracts confidence, you know, so you're, you do enjoy being around other people that are confident. If somebody, if you're around somebody for a long time or you interact with somebody and they're timid, weak, you know, kind of, you know, uh, uh, off to the side or whatever in a group, like you don't, you, you move on. Yeah. Right. You don't, you're not attracted to that person. So I, I think it is, I mean, confidence is an outcome of, uh, making commitments, taking risks, overcoming, having, you, you said you overcame this fear of these things. Well, once you overcome the fear, you develop this new muscle, then confidence comes. Yeah. Right. So you actually have to commit to continue improving. 
you go through this period that doesn't feel good and you're fearful about things, then you develop new muscles and then confidence at the end. Because you can't just go in and go, look, man, you're, you look, you're smart. You're going to be, be more confident. Yeah, it's, yeah, you can't it's not say that to easy. people, be it's more not confident. that easy. They have to, they have to put themselves out there to become more confident. It's just like a, you got to prove it to yourself that you can do it. Um, Absolutely. I was going to say one more thing and now I forgot. I it was about confidence. Oh, well, I started thinking about, ooh, I need to make sure that I, uh, we mention the book that you and Bill wrote. Oh, yeah. The Runway Decade. Yeah. They were like, y'all were like, hey, this is for people that are in their 50s that are thinking about, you know, what's their next chapter? They're on the runway. And mm-hmm. I was like, or their 40s. Yeah. Like Melissa Torito. Yeah. So the book applied to me. Yeah, I, I think the way we crafted the title was to hone in on a more niche audience. But the processes that we outline in the book, that it's our financial planning process. Yeah. So whether you're 35, 30, 50, 60, the processes are really the same. You Mentally, you're going to engage with them a little different depending on what age, decade you're in of your life. It, it was just a, a realization from Bill and I, like once you cross over 50, you, you do start thinking different about that. You're unique in that you're thinking about it much younger. But but like you said, I'm not going to retire from, I'm just going to retire and do something else. Yeah. We'll say it like that. Yeah. Clint, retire to something. Uh, I'm going to interrupt you though. Clint, when I told him that I wanted to retire in five years, I think he was very concerned about me. <laughs> And not from a financial standpoint, the whole our audience knows me and Patrick do not have kids and anyone that has kids can like you know, connect the dots, right? right? But Clint's like, Melissa, I'm just really worried about what you're going to do. And I'm like, I'm not going to sit around, Clint. Yeah. And every time I bring it up, it's like he kind of starts to like yeah. twitch a little bit, you know? Right. So Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's uncommon, which you should be. I mean, you're a confident person. You're a very successful person and you have uncommon goals. There's nothing wrong with that. That is exactly, it is uncommon. It's just uncommon to to guys to people sit across from us your age saying I want to retire at X date. That's uncommon, but that's good. I've never been a common folk. <laughs> exactly. Like you know, I don't think you you blend into the furniture there. You know. Yeah. So how's the book doing? You feel like it's Book's resonating with people? So yeah, when it you know there's there's millions of books a year. There's something like a million and a half so books, books that come out every year. And it's so much easier to, for people to write a book these days with, with Amazon's KDP and all that, you can go on and self publish, right? You don't need a big oh, yeah. contract. Yeah. I think so, I learned that from you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can just self publish. It's funny because my mom is, she published a little children's book. She's got another one coming out, just little stuff she's doing herself. So even like my, my 81 year old mom can publish a book, right? Um, so they say that that of the million and a half books that come out every year, something like less than 10 sell a million copies or more. All right. Okay. The average book only sells 250 copies in its lifetime. Okay. Really? 250. Out of now, this is out of a million I feel like and a these half. These people that they can't be making any money. Well, I don't do entrepreneurs write books to make money or do they write it for to put their ideas out there? Okay. So that that's really where we, we did not want to go into the, Hey, we're going to be famous authors and yeah. we're going to make millions of dollars being authors. That really wasn't what it was about. It was about this concept of you, you can, you can go out to the marketplace and you can sell your ideas and try to attract people. Okay. Or you can put your ideas out in the marketplace and let your ideas sell you. And that's what writing a book is about, right? Okay. So you so you capture your thoughts and all these things. You put it out there, and it has attracted people to us just from it being out there. We've we're at about twenty five hundred copies that have been, you know, bought and or you know we just did just got back from Akron, Ohio last week where Bill and I did a presentation for one of our advisors in our network. Okay, went really well. Uh, you know where he bought a bunch of the books and we signed them and handed them out after our after our presentation so it's still active it's still going i think there's probably another gear to catch with the runway decade that we haven't hit yet but bill and i talked a lot about it on that trip about what's next for the for the book concept because there's really no one that has kind of taken that decade of the 50s in our profession and really owned it yeah so we think there's an opportunity to do that yeah um, I want to write a book, and it was going to be called Unsolicited Advice, but I think there might already be a book called Unsolicited oh. Advice. So I got to. I don't know. I don't know. I got to pivot. But I, if you write a book, I'll read it. 
Well, I just, <laughs> I feel like I'm really good at taking it. I mean, at giving advice, and I was good about taking it. Oh, I know what I was going to bring up. Yeah. When you were talking about confidence. I was going to, also, I don't know why. Like, I guess my allergies are all messed up. Sorry, That's listeners. Okay. This is unedited. We're That's just her gonna... sn- sniffling, not me. So. <laughs> Although I could, probably could. So, um, <laughs> do you think that the Enneagram has any indication on people's confidence level? Or do you think everyone could become confident? Well, I definitely think everyone can become confident. Okay. I think at the end of the day, that's a very simple process. And I get this from my coaching, you know, that I go through. And it was kind of what I described earlier, which is, you know, the, the idea that you commit to something right away once you commit to it. Like, let's say you say, um, I want to retire when I'm 50. I don't know. Let's just pick that one. Well, as soon as you commit to that, you realize the next minute that you realize like, ooh, well, I don't have right now today. Mm -hmm. I don't have what I need to have to retire at 50. I don't have things figured out. So you go through what's next called the period of courage, which is fear. You know, you're overcoming fear and something has to be figured out there. And this, again, this is the thing called the four C's from strategic coach commitment, courage. Well, then going through that period of courage, you build that muscle. I was talking about that's new capability. Okay. That's the third C. The result of the new capability is you have confidence and you just really, that's actually a process we've all been doing. If you think but about, do you think it's easier for some people than others? Well, sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. I think in that, that I think it's, I don't know if it's nature or nurture or whatever, but I think it's some people, the way they process taking that risk of making that commitment. So somebody might think through every possible step of the commitment before they make the commitment. Yeah. And some people like me, which are more um, more innovative, build the plane in the sky kind of people, quick starts they call them. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. That would be awesome to do. I'm jumping, right? And I'll I don't have to have it all figured out now. I'll figure it out while I'm doing it. That type of person is probably going to get to confidence quicker because they're going, they're jumping to risk and you're, quicker. You're probably already confident, in whatever idea that is. Yeah, like I'm <laughs> baffled when my ideas don't work. I'm like, why did this? This sounded so great in theory. I mean, I'm not trying yeah. to sound arrogant, but like that's just how I think. But yeah. don't worry, I am humbled on a daily basis with my team telling me how it really works sometimes. So you look, know? in in January, a good example because you're part of this, which is coming up. Uh, it'll probably be well, it will be over by the time. Yeah this episode comes out but the cya 360 in january i said we haven't done it in a couple years because of COVID and all that we're bringing it back and we're bringing it back big right we're not gonna cut corners we're gonna go out and bring it bigger doubled the budget right and i think bill just told me this morning we're up to like 130 people oh wow which is you know when i told them back then i was like here we're gonna commit to doing this sign the thing at the renaissance and then I'll go get the money yes. and then I'll go get the people and then I'll line up the speakers. And so in my mind, it's sort of like that commitment to do it makes me do it. Well, and so I think that's, but I do think there's two types of people with that. And I'm going to tell hold on to hear me out. Okay. So, and I'm only saying this because I work with a lot of analytical people and I think you've got a couple of analytical people that I work do. for you as well. And They're so I find, huh? They're good balance. And I find those, right. They are. But I also find analytical people, I don't want to say fill in the gaps because I don't want, but they, sometimes, because I could see like, I could see someone in your office being like, okay, well, I think we need to get a commitment from 50 people before we go sign the Renaissance thing, right? would be and like, Brooke. like Brooke. I was going to say it, Brooke, right? She's rational and she's yes, practical, right? And yeah. her comfort, it's not that she lacks confidence. Yeah. That, that is just, that is logical in yeah. her brain. Her 100%. brain is thinking logically. Not that you're thinking illogically, but like, so my team, we're, we're making some software changes. So nothing near as big as putting on three, CYA 360, but they're like, well, what if this, and what if this, and what if that? And I'm like, we just got to pull the plug and yes. we got to go for it. And yeah. it's going to be a bumpy ride and it's just going to be a bumpy ride, but it'll be smooth on the other side of it. Right. There's no perfect time. Right. Like there's no time. If you, if you decide CYA 360 is going to happen in January, it's not like you're going to wake up March 15th and be like, today is the day we're going to launch it. And we're going to get 130 people today. You right. know, right. there's just no perfect time. Yeah. But, some, yeah. but a lot of people, they're more comfortable waiting on a perfect time. So then you got to yeah. have the Pete's and the Melissa's almost to people's aggravation. Yeah. who are like, no, 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 yeah. come on. Yeah. We're going to get out of the nest. We're going to go over right. and everything's going to be fine. Yeah, and I think the end result, 
if you if you have that in common, and I think this is where Brooke and I align really well. She's we've been together for twenty two years. Brooke is your Casey. She's learned to trust me. Yeah, you know, and she's like, okay, well, he does have crazy ideas sometimes, but he's been right a lot, you know. So let me dig in and help support whatever figuring out the details of whatever he's talking about. But I can I'm pretty good at painting a picture. Yeah. Right. We're gonna have one hundred twenty five. I said one hundred twenty five people in the seats. And we're going to have a keynote, a local keynote speaker. And it's going to be, uh, this is January, right? Uh, Mulkey hadn't won yet. Nope. Jay Johnson hadn't won yet. Yep. I was like, we're going to have a premier, well-known public uh, speaker, you know, speaker, right? And that just developed. It laid right into my lap, right? Yeah. Because of the relationship. So um, who would I have gotten if it, if I wouldn't have had them or they wouldn't have done what they did? Well, I, I don't know. But you would have figured it, it out. I would have figured it out. Yeah, exactly. See? And and because that's, in my that's mind, that's the difference in the confidence to me. And in my mind, I had. It, I'll ask. I'll ask anybody. I'm not scared to call someone and ask them and whatever. And uh, and so I think the passion for the end result, which is you got a room full of people, you got cross pollination of these professional uh, communities yep. of followers, and. Every time we have had it, it's been great for everybody. People have gotten business out of mm-hmm. it, and every business needs more business. Yep. Right. So, I have grand ideas for CY three hundred and sixty. I really do, and and I think I'm ex- I'm more excited about how well this one has done from a structural coming together standpoint to be able to take that model and replicate it and get people fired up in different in different areas that can basically take fran- franchise CY three hundred and sixty in their own communities. Yeah. You know, because I think CY is bigger than Horizon. It's bigger than Sentinel. It's it's a, it's a bigger concept. And like case in point, you know, our, my buddy Julio Malera, who's going to be one mm-hmm. of the speakers, you know, he 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 uh, emails me right after we had our uh, prep call the other day, and he says he goes, hey, we need to talk about this. He goes, I got some ideas, and he's a he's a big idea. He guy. is a big idea guy. So I love that. I love that it means the juices are flowing, right? I was uh, I needed to take a nap after the prep call for my party the night before. Not even like I stayed up late. I just talked a lot. I was tired. I told Texas Doug, I was like, this is Melissa on the struggle bus in this prep call. I don't want to be like. I think Fortunately, I, it was not heavy lifting. It was an no. easy. It was an easy prep call. No, and I had already sent in my presentation, so I was ahead of the game. Yes, you were really early on that. And look, I, I think that when CYA, like it, I think it's still seen as well. That's something Horizon's putting on. I think when this year we're going to cross over the threshold that I've always wanted to cross over, which is no Horizon's just like you. We're just a participant in this thing. Have we been the driver of the idea? Yeah, it's really been Pete's kind of been pushing the idea. Mm-hmm. But when it crosses over that hurdle, again, collaborate with others and go, let's make it our thing, like a community thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to any one particular thing. Because Horizon may at some point go, all right, well, Horizon's, you know, we're, we're going to be on the periphery or we're not going to do it this year. We'll put somebody else in there, right? It's, it's, a, it's a bigger concept. And the concept is... Your professional network all bring their people together, yep. and everyone wins. Yep. That's pretty much it. Yeah, and you learn while you're there. And you learn. You learn. You network. Yeah, it's a great event. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I fun. woke up this morning, and I mean, I have several networking things this week, and that is what those are the weeks that I really like. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm Patrick thinks I'm so weird that I will just walk into a room full of strangers. Well, it's, you're going back to what we talked about a while back in this conversation. It's connecting. Yeah. You like connecting. I like connecting. I'm kind of toes tapping right now, too, because there's going to be a room full of people, some of which I've never met before, and it's going to be exciting. Well, Lainey told me last week when we did our episode the day after the party that I really like bringing people together and connecting. Yeah. Lainey said that. Yeah. Because I looked up at that party at one point, and while we didn't have, like, somebody asked me, did you want a ton of people? And I thought, keep in mind, a ton of people means a bigger bill for Melissa. (laughs) You know, we had sponsors, thanks to Horizon for sponsoring. But, you know, I I really, I wasn't worried about the quantity there. It was kind of like, are people having a good time? And I looked up, and everybody's talking and laughing, and I'm like, people are sitting down eating, and I know they don't know each other. Like, a few people came by themselves, and I was like, this is exactly what I wanted this event to be. Yeah, and it was so perfect for me because, you know, Horizon has a new team member, Savannah, who you've met. And part of her job is not to go out and sell uh, uh, financial services. Her job is to sell Horizon. Yeah. The idea of Horizon as a resource. And, you know, those are perfect things for her to connect. She ended up meeting some people that had – you know, it was like one degree of separation yeah. from somebody else yeah. they knew that awesome. they grew up with. So Good. it was great. 
Yeah, we had a great time. Well, Pete, um, we are, oh, we're at an hour. Oh. Man, we can talk. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> we can talk for another hour. I don't know if I, our listeners have probably tuned out by now, but hey. Oh, yeah. Hey, they, hey, they left at the pig farm, some of them. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, um, check out the book, Runway Decade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Horizon, you have, you guys have a website. All, all the, y'all are everywhere. Yeah. We're right? easy uh, to find. They're easy to find. And we, um, we have a lot of mutual clients with Horizon, and I am not. I'm very transparent about that, that we work together a lot, yeah. and we have a really great relationship, and we appreciate it. Yeah, y'all. same here. Same here. It's been a great partnership. So, all right. Hope everyone has a great week. Bye, guys.